should be live on YouTube uh, for this. Uh, welcome to this very special TP live stream all the way from Boston. We have Mr. Shah Jahan Khan, who's a musician, who's a voiceover actor, who's an actor. Uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm I'm doing all right, Shazad. Uh, we were just checking in before we started, you know, uh, going into uh, the end of this year. Yeah, doing doing all right. The end of the world, potentially. <laughs> the I, end I, of I the mean, world. At least that's what COVID feels like at this point. <laughs> Omicron, Megatron. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know. Obviously, I mean, I hope that, uh, you know, things things go okay. But so uh do you have any uh do you pay any credence to the conspiracy theories because america yeah credence to to pay karni parti hai matab i'm married to a scientist so i'll just go ahead and say that you know outright so, so it's all so she's you know, she's part of the illuminati conspiracy naturally naturally uh, check checks out there obviously huh checks you know jobi uh yeah she's she's part of the uh exactly so i've got i've got the inside scoop you know but uh, yeah, you know, I don't know, dude. It's like, I'm sure I don't have to tell you this, but I think now it's just a matter of, we just don't live in the same reality anymore. It's not, you know, there's no, it's not like one place where we can go. It's it, where it's just the same information. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to, how to so, deal with it. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm quite a pro-vaxxer. I, I was one of... I was maybe some ja, maybe I was going to tell you that I'm going to inshallah. So. But there's a but coming. So I was, <laughs> I think, in the first 50,000 people vaccinated in Pakistan. Achas. But... Where it's just the same information. Oh, I think I can hear YouTube in the back. Sorry. Um... So I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all, but yeah. I am also quite skeptical of big pharma, especially in the USA. Huh, ye to, I, I mean, it's, I, I, I understand. I feel like I, I don't want to be somebody that's like, I understand, like, I don't want to be one of these, like both sides kind of people about it in some ways, again, because of the, I mean, the, the, the good people on both sides, Shaja. right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, no, I, I don't know. It's, it's Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know, know if you're following this, but Trevor Noah got cancelled because he made a joke about the CEO of Moderna. I mean, I'm. It's, it's quite a weird world we live in where the CEO yeah. of Moderna is pushing booster shots. I mean, uh -huh. a, a, yeah. a vaccine that was developed by public funds. Yeah. Yeah. profits are big pharma. Ko ja rahe hain. Uh -huh. Usko Trevor Noah ko cancel uh, nee, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I hear you there. I think if Matab in in all in all seriousness, like it's been quite awful, you know, this whole thing. So I think that that's like, yeah, I was telling you, I I had it in um early uh, earlier this year, and you know, I don't know, I'm assuming that you've you've been healthy and stuff. Um, but it was uh it was rough, and also just in terms of some of the work I was doing at the time, uh, seeing the way that it was disproportionately affecting certain communities and stuff. So, um, for sure. Yeah. There a lot of things I want to talk to you about. I think specifically Kominas ki maine baatein karni thi kyunki sort of I think I was at Lums when it came out. This is what 2011ish. Kominas ka I think Pakistan mein probably 2009 or or Probably 2008 or 2009. I was living in Lahore in 2008. That's where we were. Um, my bandmate Basim and I were living in a in a flat near the Neher. So um, that's kind of a uh, that's probably the time that I that I remember. So yeah, but there's this, I'm, this, I'm this, curious this, to know what you what you heard about it, and you know I've also dealt with this extensively, kind of in my show. Um, you know the whole everything that came with that and. Yeah. So that's a very good uh, jumping off point because I think uh, as a young man myself in universities, those ideas about uh, what your religious identity is, uh, growing up in Pakistan, you grow up Muslim, but what does it even mean to be Muslim? I don't think anybody ever explores that unless they're specifically given that opportunity. So when right. you're at university, you're out of your home and you're questioning certain things. So that Taqwa Core documentary clip went pretty viral where the four of you are haranguing. Uh, ha, the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the one. 
the music so is the wrong thing. The- no it's it's funny and it's funny because yeah the identity thing too and then from the perspective of the are you know never-ending first gen first gen uh like abcd crisis thing that we've all got going all the time so i'm, I'm interested in talking to you about that stuff too so yeah, let's just jump into straight into these these notions of identity. Since you're also now talking about uh, in your own podcast, King of the World, Shah Jahan, uh, being Muslim. <laughs> End of the world, King of the world, everything <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. End of the fucking world. So, so these notions of Muslim, do you feel like I feel like at least from my perspective, being in the US very briefly, that after nine eleven, maybe you are not thinking that you but because everybody trusted the identity upon you as a Muslim living in America, you had to grapple with it, even if you didn't want to or had not before that. Huh? Yeah, this is exactly my kind of thesis in over the seven part uh, series where it's it suddenly become it became honestly, when when I was first approached to, to do this show, I didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't ever want to talk about 9-11 again. I didn't want to center it in that way. Uh, but we kind of realized that there was a different way to to tell tell the story as like kind of a coming of age thing because so I was seventeen, uh, about to turn eighteen when nine eleven happened. Tika, I was a senior in high school, and uh, just like you said, it automatically kind of when like you said, kind of like you know you're 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 at that time you know being a seventeen year old things are kind of hard you know for many other reasons too. But you're you're, you're figuring out your place in the world how you relate to all these different pieces of who you are. And then this thing happens and it becomes the most important part of, of who you, of who you appear to be, I think to other people overnight. So that, you know, I'm sure you, you don't follow Pakistani politics. Uh, I try be- my best. Uh, I actually, I've been listening to your um, show tuning in for the last few months. A friend of mine, she's, uh, she's a, uh, a Pakistani playwright who's studying here at uh, at BU. So she was the one that turned me on to your show. Uh, her name is uh, Fatma. I, I, I know I, Fatma. I, yeah, yeah. I was like, Pakistani playwright in Boston, how many of you Fatma? Yes, she said that you should check out. I told her about my show and then she really liked it. And then she's like, you should try to... So that's the reason. Fatma is the reason that I messaged you slightly. On, it's it's uh, also interesting that you're doing a Rajiv Joseph play right now. Uh, I well, actually, was the drama actually, yeah. I was the dramaturg for one of the productions of the Bengal Tiger. Achha. Achha. And I was in Brooklyn wow. uh, doing theater. So, this is very interesting. Very, very so cool. The, the reason I brought up Pakistani politics was that I would love your take on this. Hum decolonization ke naam par, what we're doing is we're taking what the colonial lens of Pakistan is. Just now, for instance, Khan Sahib ne aaji OIC mein ya kali bola ki ji Pashtun to hain ek backward culture who don't like sending their girls to school. So we need to be sensitive. I mean, I know I'm exaggerating. Those weren't his uh-huh. exact words. But in general, we take the colonial idea of what it is to be us, what it is to be Muslim, what it is to be brown, mm-hmm. what is, is it is to be South Asian. And we yeah. regurgitate that somehow as if it's our own. Yeah. But then it, it, during the, the filming of that Wutakwakur uh, documentary, there was, you know, the second half of it was shot in Pakistan. And, you know, there's the my, our friend Mike, who, um, you know, is, it's kind of follows his story, I guess, uh, in conjunction with ours. <laughs> the first thing he said about being in Pakistan, uh, he's, a, he's a, you know, white convert to Islam. He was like, dude, I think Pakistan's like a white supremacist country. In many ways, I think he had just he had, obviously he had just landed. He had maybe just seen like a a billboard or something, but and he had been out for a day. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think and the post colonial lens, we're all dealing with it in different ways for sure. I mean, I think that um, yeah, it, it 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 looks different for us as I think the first gen people. You know, I think that for me, I've I feel like when you are born in the U.S. Um, of Pakistani heritage you, you you sort of you you can fall in maybe a couple of different buckets like you can have you, like I was very fortunate to grow up speaking Urdu speaking you know uh 
decent amount of Punjabi as well and having like a, a most of my family is still in Pakistan for example and, and having like a very grounded sense uh that that is sort of part of kind of who I am and 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 you know we we took a lot of trips uh when we were younger so it was it, it was like a point of pride it wasn't you know and I feel like you can kind of go in that direction or you can be in that like well Pakistan is this just like backwards kind of a place I don't want to have anything to do with it um so I mean I feel like I definitely credit like my parents for a lot of that um but uh complicated hai yaar yeah what a juxtaposition aapko aapko feel hua cuz i'm assuming in the us you were probably primarily seen as this muslim punk band and then you come to the homeland and we're like ye to blasphemous yeah, punk band this hai. is exactly episode 4 of my series ke wahan ja ke there was a night and i and i go into this in detail where uh hum baithe hain and there was this group of guys that um were like do and it, you know immediately with um the media attention that was like thrust upon the caminas was in this very orientalist you know western by basically white journalists like a sort of antidote to like oh look at these progressive you know muslim kid this could only exist in america this could only exist in the west you know like as if you know people in that part of the world haven't like had progressive thoughts you know you know what i mean so it was it just became very obvious right away that this was not and you know in in a way like yeah all bands or whatever not satisfied with the way that they're portrayed and you know labels and this and that but to us it yeah it became very obvious pretty much from the day that we landed there that you know and we come and we're like humbi shayad matlab from a maybe like a semi arrogant place of being like ha ha mainge lahore we'll do some you know we'll do we'll fit in right away you know we'll and i you know we were able to do i think a couple things we had like a a cool kind of independent scene too but in terms of the stuff that we you know we didn't fully understand we didn't really understand pakistan or lahori culture in the same way we can't just show up and like start writing punk songs about stuff and you know without fully like integrating our, so it was it was it was in a way and i kind of say you know it's like i i moved to, back to pakistan or to pakistan to like find myself or whatever that means love, and then you get eat, there eat love journey ha boy what the boy honestly if i'm honest about it that's kind of where i was at i was like in my early 20s and you know okay what the yes that there's a, what is this part of me that exists there can i go live there work there independently merely simultaneously i had a pretty serious mental health thing going on with um addiction you know i've been in recovery now for almost 11 years uh, i've been completely sober um so at that time i'm also like wrestling with that stuff uh so you know there's all these things are sort of happening at the same time so. i really want to talk about the mental health and addiction because i think this channel really uh, focuses on that a lot but i you hedged yourself when you said every band is sort of uncomfortable with how they're covered but it's a lot more than that for you huh. and the way i'm able to relate is ki ek dafa ek international journalist ne mujhe bola we want to cover your comedy show and i was like great come so they came to pakistan they did the show they did the interview everything went great and i was like it'll be cool like pakistan mein comedy ho rahi hai type report aayegi uh-huh. and then when the report came the documentary it was like uh in a country which hangs people for blasphemy shazad ghayas sheik tells jokes this is him telling yeah. jokes at a venue whose owner was shot dead weeks ago and uh-huh. then I, it it and i'm doing comedy while this is being reported it's almost like if i had died after that report it would have been the perfect it, end it, to their segment it would have been yeah. a great story for them so they're not really looking for the artist so even people who yeah. were covering you in america probably weren't as interested in you or the band nahi yaar and the, the music the music be humne punch i think we we have five albums you know and but people i think still and we we actually ended up releasing a second album with you know we had uh we uh, had a punjabi a couple punjabi punk songs one with like munir niazi poetry uh one with nasib olal like way back in the day um but you know they weren't really interested in talking about the music so but in a way we we were kind of like well fuck did we do this to ourselves man i i just swore i hope that's okay uh what's <laughs> that man we'll have to end Achha. this fuck why did you do that <laughs> again hell man you should bahut ho gayi bahut ho gayi 
but yeah, man, that, that that formulaic approach to these little news packages, right? That is exactly what happened with us on the BBC, on the, you name it. You know, there was a, a year and a half where we were we were like the front page on CNN.com, you know, and initially it's like, oh my God, like a band, you know, you're like, oh, this band that we started in Bossom's parents' basement is like, wow, people are interested. But, you know, I think simultaneously the thing that happened, that did happen was that the kids or like the community that we were kind of writing that music for did we did find them too it's just that it was kind of sometimes felt like it was lost in the noise of of all this other stuff and look we're not we never became like a commercially successful band that's not really who we were and what we were after we never like even got like a record contract you know we still have a pretty diy kind of approach to how we do stuff um but yeah it's been 18 years. It's hard to believe. Yeah, the band started in 2004. So, it's wild. I mean, it's also a double-edged sword. Yes, it brings all that baggage with it. But uh-huh. if you weren't who you are, maybe that fame wouldn't exist. And you would still be playing in the game. Maybe not still, but at least for the first couple of years, your head start mila in terms of the uh-huh. news coverage. right? Uh, it's, I And I know that I get asked, uh, I think since I've done the podcast as well, like, you know, a question like, um, what if 9-11 never happened? Like, what would, you know, and I'm like, I don't What do they know. expect you to answer? <laughs> I know. Oh, yes, 3,000 people died, but damn, that was really good for my career. Thank I know, you man. Like, service, everybody. Oh, my God, dude. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, when, what year were you in the U.S.? You said you spent time here briefly. I did my master's in theater from Brooklyn College, 2013 to 15. Acha, those, acha, okay, wow, okay. So I left the band to get sober between 2011, and then I rejoined in 2014. So, yeah. So- Let's let's get into that because I think yeah, sure. conversations are Pakistan myth at least hoti, or at least uh, uh-huh. I did this phenomenal podcast with Sama Zaman on heroin addiction and I'm oh, wow. I a lot of people out. What was the moment for you? Because I, I know a lot of people who sh- maybe should be in recovery, but yeah. To, and let's be honest, you can't convince an addict that the person's an addict till they don't Nay, it's it's a it's a themselves. you know, honestly. I think you can you can approach them with love and compassion um, until, but they ultimately have to make the choice, right? So, for me, it wasn't just one moment, man. It was like a series of. So I'll say straight out, you know, I was extremely addicted to cannabis, and that's one thing I and you know I did a lot of other drugs too, but like I only say that, and I'm not somebody that's like I'm totally pro. This is maybe not the same conversation at Pakistan. That's a big conversation here as far as like the legalization. I'm actually very, I'm pro the legalization of all drugs and, you know, you know, smart um, approaches to addiction and that kind of thing. But I say that because for somebody like me who was already uh, predisposed to depression and anxiety or I don't know chicken or the egg type thing if I, you know, but like. As somebody that already had those sorts of tendencies, when I found jars, you know, or cannabis or whatever, um, I really just latched right on. And it just became something that just became, and identity became kind of my identity, like within five, six months. And, and I just, it just, yeah, it was all I could, all I wanted to do all the time. So it took about 10 years of, uh, I think I knew from the age of probably, I would say even 17 that, but like I'm doing it in the, in a way that like everybody's not and Mujib Kafi um you know, it's, it's, I'm hiding in it, you know, um, but you know, you're, when you're young, I think it's a little bit easier to, uh, at least for me growing up, I, I lived a very sort of comfortable American suburban life, you know, and um, I'm very fortunate to have like a really great uh, family and, and I didn't need, you know, I had, a lot of privileges in life. So for me, it was very easy to feel like things will sort of work themselves out, you know, when I get older and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I didn't really get, uh, finally get, and then the band also, so, so I dropped out of school a bunch of times. Um, the band sort of became the thing that I could do regardless of the mental health stuff, you know, like even though 
I would go in and out. I had all these rules. You know, I won't do it live. Um, I would eventually cross all those lines and stuff. Um, it, it was, yeah, so it definitely, like, um, it was easy to also kind of go with that lifestyle in a way. Uh, and, you know, I'm doing this, like, of course, it's like rock music. Like, everybody gets fucked up you know and and even even during that i mean i have to give credit to my bandmates at the time like they knew early on that i i was trying to you know having some degrees of success with therapy and stuff but um so it it took but it, it took a lot uh there were a lot i mean you your original question i think was you know what was the moment there were a lot of moments man there were a lot of like disappointments you know stuff with uh with family um but the when i actually stopped it was kind of like I was at the end of the road, you know, we had done a, a big tour in Europe, um, where I had, I had on my own kind of managed to stay sober maybe like a year or so, but not with any real, um, therapy or uh, the way that I did it was a lot of, uh, 12 step groups here, uh, AA and NA. And I know that I, I'm not sure exactly how, how many of those sorts of communities exist now in box. I know, I know a few of them. I was fortunate to actually go to, um, one kind of recovery meeting in Karachi a few years ago, which really blew my mind, you know, to actually go and be surrounded uh, by, like, brown Pakistani men, you know, rather than, like, my white meetings, basically, in Boston. And this is another thing I talk about in the in the show as well. So um, that was a very long answer to your, to your question. Many, uh, we love yeah. long answers here. It's just uh, when you say sober, I'm assuming there's alcohol and other drugs because... You can't really, can you get addicted to cannabis? You physically so can't. Here's right? the thing. Here's the thing. Physically, probably not. Um, and it's not, I'm not, you know, it's not like, it, you're not going to like die from it, you know, but I think that emotionally for me, um, you know, and I have met a lot of people that share this, like it was, it was like a, it was enough of a thing where it was like more than a crutch. You know, I personally believe that you can use it problematically and for me i think there's i think it sort of depends on like why is it that you're doing it and like what effect is it having on your life you know so by those two um by those like i think i think that i did you know i don't i and i i mean i don't i think i mean most people that i think this most people that like do drugs in general like don't get addicted to them you know, whether you look at cannabis, whether even even you, if you look at opiates or stuff like that, I think that um, it's still worth a conversation, you know, because I definitely feel like I was a, a pretty problematic user for sure. So. so there's this idea that all addiction comes from the same place, whether it's opiates or cannabis, it's probably something in you that you're trying to fill with a drug or two. So it almost yeah. doesn't matter what you're addicted to. In so, so, I mean, I think that yes and no, like I, look, I a hundred percent recognize that like, you know, if you're trying to fight an opiate addiction and you like switch to cannabis, like great, as far as I'm concerned, you know, for, for somebody like me, I just couldn't really manage with no matter what I was doing. So whether, whether it was alcohol, whether it was cannabis, whether it was, you know, anything else too i think that i was very fortunate um especially the year that i lived in pakistan that i didn't get into opiates because you know especially like opium and stuff is pretty pretty real uh readily yeah, available i know yeah i was a regular at shah jamal man so uh, Papu signed out. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah. R.I.P. Man. Yeah, that I, that was actually that was a was, and also my friend Farhad passed away yeah. this year as well. So I had done some work with Overload, and so it was a rough year for many different reasons. But um, so that's that's exactly what I was getting at. Kids, kuch na kuch aapke andar hole hota hai, and you're like, "Acha, huh. alcohol isko fill kar do, theek ho jayega." Huh. Acha, cannabis se fill kar do, theek. Of course, Except you're not filling what really you need. Which of course, and nee, the, the, this is the central, I think it's the central uh, tenant of many, most recovery programs is like, you know, yeah, the, 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 the substance is just a symptom of, of some other underlying something, for sure. So, 
I know a lot of people who are listening have these ideas, right? That we Bollywood ek actor ne bhi suicide kar li thi, or when Robin oh. Williams uh, happened, people's reaction is, well, why would Robin Williams do it? मतलब उसके बाद तो सब कुछ है. People think it things oh. you get. So you're on tour. Uh, you love yeah. music. You're in yeah. Europe. I'm literally it's, doing my. For most people, it's like ये तो he's living the dream. Why and would he to be, be perfectly honest with you, coming back from Europe. Living my actual childhood dream, playing on stage with Ali Azmuth in New York, uh, like li- like the either New York May two thousand ten May wata this this big Sufi festival, and vahape uh, that summer. Ha huh, yeah, but oh, what, that's so what, good. People go look up Sign Live Central Park on YouTube. Ha huh, and but that so that weekend all the whole Pakistani music industry was in New York. And we threw this this uh, super punk gig in 24 hours. We put it together. Ali Azmuth, Kaminaz, Aruj Aftab. We played at this Grammy tiny. Grammy nominated Aruj Aftab. I know Grammy nominated my old my old boss. She hired me at FM 89 in Lahore. So I've known Aruj forever. Um, nice. And yeah, and that was the tail end of that that tour where I'm literally on stage living my childhood fantasy, and I'm fucked up. You know, and knowing that, like, it's it's this shit's gonna get really, really bad, really soon. So yeah, it's not. It's really not about what you have. You know, it's yeah. For for it's it's it. I think even now with all the language we have to describe it, I think most people probably know somebody that's been touched by addiction or mental health in some way. I think it's still. I was listening to some other podcast recently where the host said it really well. Like, yeah, we talk about these things a little bit more now, but I think it's still in a in a depersonalized kind of a way, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, but that that's not me, me that's not me, or it's it's not really affect doesn't affect my life or whatever. So, um, I think Pakistan me, bichara is the good position. Otherwise, for most people, the position uh-huh. is that it's their own fault. I think that criminality uh-huh. that we associate with being an addict, yeah, that it's not sympathy, it's his. And it's almost uh-huh. like we're showing kids that they can be heroin, so you can become it. So there's uh-huh. no love there. If if, if yeah. the person is in that state because of a lack of love, and then there is no love from society as well. How do you ever expect for that person to get better, or is there any interest of the society to help that person get better at all? I mean, I th- I think that honestly, for me, it's been through uh, telling these stories, but also you know over the last eleven years now, just kind of the amazing things that I have heard of people that have, you know, and it it's it's a fine line between this like American like pull yourself up from the bootstraps bullshit, right, versus like. Yes, people have been, you know, have been able to like lift themselves up in certain ways and have worked hard. But I think that there is like, yeah, there's an element of like you can help somebody along the way. You know what I mean? Like versus um, just yeah, they just have to fight through it, and like there's nothing that like I could do, or there's not. But and especially in terms of, I think systematic. policies and attitudes towards drugs and addiction and and you know it's a whole other conversation of the fact that me as a you know pretty privileged brown kid in an all white town was able to like drive my car and smoke weed and never get caught by the police and I never had any interaction with the criminal justice system here so that's like a whole other conversation you know and I've been fortunate to be able to go to meetings in prisons and stuff too and and kind of see it from like a whole other angle and and also there's kind of this conversation happening in the US right now about the like opioid crisis versus the the crack epidemic of the 80s where you know it was completely criminalizing black people and now because it like was affecting primarily white kids like the language has changed so so it's it's an interesting conversation where like yeah I'm really glad that you know the language and stuff is changing but you 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 do have to always look at these things in context you know with like yeah okay great cannabis is legal but like who are the beneficiaries you know are they going to black owned businesses and stuff and you know so so i know you, you you've mentioned it a couple of times that things were great at home or at least better than most and then in terms yeah. of even financial they weren't that bad and uh 
that's the pakistani in you speaking maybe because somehow pakistan mein as somebody who's also grappled with mental health issues i always felt this real guilt uh and kisi ne mujhse mazak mein ek badi achhi baat boli thi ke ye depression to ameeron ki bimari hai and i laughed what it's sort of uh, uh that guilt also gets to you ke yaar i don't uh-huh. have a reason to be depressed and if i still feel this way to yakinan mere andar hi koi masla hoga worth it. you know like why why shouldn't i also i don't know live a meaningful life and how can i get there and and yeah i mean the, i think one thing that's really great about the recovery community is that they do encourage service like so i'm for example uh just specifically talking about like aa and na um you know i've been a sponsor for other other guys in recovery um and just like and just you know going and telling your like you go and you know you can it's called a commitment type thing where you can go and like tell your story somewhere else and so you know making sure that like yeah once you start to get better you sort of immediately try to give it away to somebody else you know and and that's kind of that act of service i think helps to alleviate you know and they kind of say it's and it's not just a recovery saying but just the idea of like as shitty as you feel or you think you've been like a horrible person your whole life or you don't deserve anything like you just try to do esteemable acts you know and then you know one by one you sort of just chip away at uh, at whatever the bad things are that you think so and i'm i'm doing i'm oversimplifying this but sometimes like the simple language i think is a little bit better um I'm, so i th- i think there are what go ahead yeah what i'm sure say? that big brother idea is symbiotic as well it also helps you to help somebody else 100% it, it, i think and i think it helps you more honestly uh to just um to be there for somebody else so i've 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 had the fortune to be able to do that for sure and then now also to be able to tell the story on a larger level and you know i think that uh, my family would also tell you that um i'm kind of the person now that uh <laughs> sometimes uh random aunties and uncles who maybe think that maybe their kid like smoked a joint or something they're like pata nahi kahin kahin se drug dealer ho gaya usse baat please kar lo and i'm like look you can i will always give out my phone number to them but i'll be like if they want to talk to me by all means i'll talk to them but i don't want to just i don't want them to think that i'm somebody that like their mom wants them to talk to or whatever you know what i mean cuz like then they're not going to listen to me but yeah i i feel like uh i feel like i've had the uh the good fortune to like be somebody that's of service now cuz yes for those same reasons i i just felt kind of worthless for uh, a lot that i had nothing to offer you know for so long so what do you tell a 17 year old because abstinence messaging doesn't work uh uh-huh. i in all honesty i'm like so probably like do whatever you want um but just talk to me if it becomes a problem right okay. like that's Yeah, like what else can you really say? You can't because, you know, all these programs that yeah, like you said, like they kids kids are just going to do the opposite. I did the opposite of everything. So there's no I know it's kind of a, and I'm not a parent, you know. So like I don't I know that I'm not a parent and that I have that privilege maybe to have that attitude to just be like, dude, you got to kind of let them figure it out. You know, and but you just you can create sort of a safe environment to like not um just make sure that that they always have some or you know so when i go to schools and talk about stuff i was also i did like a interactive theater troupe also for a while where all the actors were in recovery we would do these very simple you know 45 minute plays and then have a talk back with the audience afterwards and kids would always be like you know what should i do my fr- or i have a friend that's going to just be like as long as um you you have one person in your life that you can talk to openly and honestly it doesn't have to be me doesn't have to be like your family uh, as long as you can have someone to just like be honest and straight up with i think that uh, you'll be in good shape cuz the hiding 
the hiding sorry yeah just just hiding stuff is where i think um you run into problems so you said i'm not a parent but uh that's exactly what parents should tell their children yes right somehow we assume it'll be harder for them to say it but at some uh, point all the children want to hear is whatever happens go and swing because we'll be your safety net it's when uh, you feel that you don't have that safety net either you're not going to swing go on the trapeze at all and live your yeah. life in fear or just yeah. do it anyway and fall because you feel yeah. that yeah. doesn't exist for you yeah so friend of the podcast sajeev sheikh uh, oh hello is and there are a bunch of people in the comments but since it is a friend of the podcast she has a comment mai read nahi kar raha comments so thank you for nahi, nahi, nahi. <laughs> healing Achha. and addressing mental health issues also comes with privilege yeah for sure i mean access to therapy and stuff um yeah i mean what can i say that's absolutely true mai personally ek sawal puchta hu apne liye ha ha ye ye feeling jo hai ye jo voice in your head hai जो मुझे भी रोज उठाती है कि यू आर शिटी एंड यू विल नेवर अमाउंट टू एनीथिंग नो मैटर व्हाट हैपेंस ये डज इट गो अवे यार इट आई डोंट थिंक इट गोस अवे आई थिंक दैट um यू जस्ट बिकम बेटर इक्विप्ड टू डील विद इट एंड यू अंडरस्टैंड दैट इट्स जस्ट अ पार्ट ऑफ हु यू आर एंड दैट इट्स रियली अ डेली यू नो अ डेली बैटल विद इट यू नो एंड एंड यू जस्ट हैव टू या आई मीन आई यू नो आई स्टिल हैव टू रिमाइंड माय सेल्फ टू do whatever you know and i think i i saw some other post i don't know if it was sajeers or somebody that was like you know people that maybe have um take 5 minutes to an hour to meditate or something in the morning like that in itself is a privilege we don't all get that um but there's you know yeah i think for me like i got to find um some way to to give myself a break <laughs> you know uh it's the i think maybe sometimes escapism you're looking for is from uh, your own mind oh yeah for sure yeah i mean yeah being like a creative person i mean yeah i'm always yeah whether it's music or or acting or or whatever or even i i think for me definitely like um as a former uh jersey weed smoker cigarette smoker like the fact that i'm so into physical fitness and stuff now is kind of remarkable Um but yeah yeah man I I don't know it's looking back on I'm so my anniversary uh, is actually January 5th so I'm about to come up on 11 years um and it's kind of wild to just think about uh how much has changed but yeah the voice doesn't go away honestly I'm I don't think I think sometimes it actually gets in some ways it gets a little bit harder with time once you sort of sort out the um the immediate messes <laughs> you know uh sometimes the lingering uh cuz cuz ultimately like that is sort of a part of you too and i think for me i've tried my best to come to peace with like well i'm also capable of like really high highs and in order for me to feel those i just have to feel like shit sometimes and it's it's gotten better you know and it's not you know i haven't had like a super depressive episode in a while but you know um i even last year obviously like we were all going through lots of stuff in 2020 but you know i realized that i was super unhappy doing what i was doing and i made some uh like professionally uh and was able to make some changes and you know um so yeah ye mera bhi because i think i also have a propensity for it uh, biologically Achha. and things that i work with my therapist ye ye ke dar lagta hai ke if you miss out on the high highs and the lower lows ha you're going to miss out on the creative process because wo higher highs pe jo uh, cheeze aati hain wo normal if you level out yeah maybe you'll have to me kya lagta hai ke ye is this is a conversation i i have a lot with uh creative people uh whatever that means is ke do you think that we are that balance is something that is for us <laughs> because li- kind of like you're saying like i i now i i don't mean mania in in the bipolar sense but in terms of like knowing and getting that feeling of like oh today's a day where i'm just firing on all cylinders i feel like if i don't like get everything out when you know i might maybe i'll just I, maybe i won't be this like motivated the next day Uh, does that kind of stuff happen to you so that i can still manage if i wake up 
early enough, get my coffee, get my workout in. I'll yeah. feel like I'll be able to accomplish everything by noon. But I also have manic episodes. So I have depressive Achha. episodes, but I also have manic Achha. episodes where I'll write a film script in a night. Just yeah. like 24 hours in front of the laptop, not go to sleep, have six books yeah. open on the floor, uh, yeah. have a drawing on the... It sounds crazier. I'm, I'm making it sound a lot crazier than it is, but it's sort of like that. Right in front of me, there's like wires hanging out from all of yeah. them. And I don't want to clean it because I know that if I put it away, <laughs> when I want to go do something, I'll, I won't do it. So, yeah. So, wo, yes, I have weeks where I'm waking up at a certain time. I'm getting my stuff done at a certain time. I'm sleeping at a certain time. But yeah. unno me wo magic nahi aata. Ha. Ye meri pata mujhe ek meri jo one thing I do I think a routine thodi der ke liye it's actually really good for someone like me. So definitely um yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yes and no. I guess is what I'm saying. I I I think routine is great for everybody. Yeah. And personally, I think I feel the best with the routine. If I wake up early, get my stuff done, sleep early. Yeah. Lekin <laughs> <laughs> magic <nahi. laughs> you know, sometimes you also crave that so for instance i do stand-up comedy if you're on stage Achha. and there are 200 people listening to you and going crazy yeah. and then you come home and Haan. you're Ab alone with your thoughts Wo yeah. us high se low hi na. i mean you can never sustain that high where you have 500 people hanging on to every word you say Uske baad low hi aane aur ho kya sakta hai. Haan. Haan. yeah i think that so yeah i think that God, were you also chasing the high? Um, yeah, I mean that to me that high, I'm still chasing it, you know, for sure. Like I, one thing I realized after uh, the last two years playing my first couple of concerts, I've now, I do play with Gaminas. I play with another band uh, called Ravi Shavi from Providence as well. We did probably five or six gigs this summer. I think we're supposed to play on New Year's Eve. I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but, um, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a great natural high, <laughs> you know. Like I don't. There's for me, and that's you know, we started the conversation off with identity. One thing that like always centered me in myself is playing music live, you know, and that would always bring me right back to kind of who I always felt like I was meant to be. So. And for that, I didn't need to be. It was actually worse the times I did it fucked up because then I was in my head. And for that kind of thing, like, and I'm also like a very, I play punk music usually, so I'm usually jumping around, very sweaty. Uh, it's a very, like, visceral kind of experience. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird as someone in recovery to say, like, I guess... Uh, it's okay to chase one high, maybe not another high, you know, I don't know. I think it's, if of all the things to like be addicted to, um, I think now that I know how to manage that one better, so I don't have to like, so that the downtime doesn't, it, so that now I could, you know, if the, when the show is over, for example, I can be like, all right, I know that for the rest of today or maybe for tomorrow, uh, nothing is maybe going to feel as good as what happened last night, but maybe there's other positive things I can do. You know, maybe I can call someone and just talk to them about it. Maybe I can go, go to lunch with someone, or maybe I can, you know, do something else. So I, I think, yeah, I think that, I think that I have better coping mechanisms in place now to deal with, to deal with that I, stuff. I think everybody who listens to the podcast knows exactly what question I'm going to ask next next okay if you are a fan of the podcast this is your test if you know did you try psychedelics hanji uh let's see i that's one thing that i am not a hundred percent sure that i won't do again you know uh, i think i think it was roger waters or something from pink floyd who said that you know if i like because he got he stopped doing drugs uh uh, you know, a little while ago, and he was like, if I make it to the age of like 75, I'm going to fucking do acid or like whatever. So I, I did, um, I did mushrooms, uh, when I was in college, I had a horrible experience because I was, 
extremely suicidal already before that. Um, and I, I wasn't ready and I, and I, I didn't do it. I hadn't, I don't think it was done in like a guided kind of a way, you know? Um, so I had a pretty awful experience with them. Um, I also recently had a conversation with a really good friend of mine. He's kind of like, a uh, somewhat of a, um, journalist uh, type person who, who uh, writes a lot about drugs and stuff. And, and I kind of straight out asked him, like, do you think, like, now that I've been sober for 10 or 11 years, is this something that, like, I I should do? Or, or Basically, he was somebody that I would have expected would have told me, like, yeah, man, you should totally do them. I'll get you them right now. Uh, let's make this happen tonight. Like we'll go to, I was out in, uh, on the West coast Sounds like and, me. <laughs> and what he said really surprised me. He was like, look, man, I'm not going to tell you yes, a hard yes or a hard no. One thing I will say is that you appear to be somebody that has come to a lot of realizations about yourself without any of that stuff. Also, it's not like you do. So <laughs> Western culture, capitalism, has this way of broifying everything, right? And now it's become psychedelics. So, like, it's not like you you sort of... And, and, like, one thing that's happening a lot in the U.S. is, yeah, everybody's talking about acid, about DMT, about all these about all these things. And, like, everybody's... People are maybe going on these retreats and stuff now and doing them and just, like, trying to really just, like, get the experience. Like, everybody's trying to do it and commodify it and stuff. And he's like... You know, it's not like, and you can, obviously, since you probably know better than I do, it's not like you do it once and then you're good. Like, yes, you can probably always access that part of you and you'll remember whatever kind of like happened. And so, so basically, I'm not sure. Um, I feel like I, if I were to do them again, I would still want to wait and it, because it's not, I don't think it's the same conversation as addiction you know, for me, I think that, uh, we're still, there's a lot of studies coming up because now I think there's, it's Johns Hopkins that's doing the first, um, research and stuff. And there's all these books that have come out recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's cultures that have been using this stuff for forever. So maybe, I mean, maybe there is some value in it. I'm not like, I, I don't, I'm still curious about I feel like I'm still growing every day as a person kind of like without mm. that stuff. And I, again, I don't really look down on like I've I have most of my friends have done them and have had really like great experiences. I also have friends that have done them way too much. So, uh, you know, I don't know, kind of a complicated mm. answer to your question. Uh, this, I mean, uh, I also think thinking of them as medical drugs is probably the wrong way to go about it. What you yeah. said about them, uh, of you having nothing to fix, that they don't fix anything as such. Right. So they're not uh, fixes. Uh, uh, yes, they have helped a lot of people in addiction because sometimes they make you question your own patterns. Yes. Oh, why yes. do I do this? Why do I exactly. do this the same way every single day? And a lot of times, uh, it's like driving. If I'm driving back home, I'm not consciously following the road. I know the streets that I will take. Even if I zone out, think about tomorrow, I will follow the same road back home. We don't realize we do the same things with our thoughts as well. We follow the same patterns. We think about things the same way. It could be something as simple as uh, and we had a falling out and I always had this negative feeling about the falling out and I always hated him and then once on psychedelic I had a realization about him and I was like oh how could I not have seen that this is what he was mm. struggling with which is why he was acting this way and it was right in front of me and it made complete sense to me on psychedelics mm. so that hate I had for him sort of left even if it's yeah. not true, even if it, the conclusion I came to is not some universal truth that I uh, stumbled upon on a psychedelic trip, it really helped yeah. me. It healed me. It healed yeah. my memory yeah. and my relationship with him. And that didn't fix me, but it's one less bag I take yeah. into the next day. No, that sounds... And, but many, I think Sonavek, DMT is a self-destruction out there temporarily. That, and, but I mean, for me, initially, when I heard it, I was like, oh man, that sounds fucking terrifying. I don't know if I can handle that. But honestly, 
one thing that I did in my first few years uh, of recovery was a lot of very focused writing exercises. So one of the things that happens is you do this thing called a um, a fourth step, uh, which is it's they call it sort of a moral inventory or something where you essentially it's much more complicated than what I'm saying, but you literally list out every person or uh, you've ever had any kind of resentment against. And you, in a very detailed, the way that I did it was like, because I'm a super nerd, uh, Excel sheet, columns of like, Acha, iskasat, I feel this this thing, you're starting with yourself, um, but I feel this thing to this person, why do I feel it? What did I do to contribute to this? Um, and then you basically go, and I had made it though because of, of my travels and stuff. I, I must have had two, three hundred fucking people on there or whatever. And at the end of it, you spend a day or two just reading all this stuff out loud to your sponsor. And eventually with the goal of whittling the list down to the people you feel you owe some kind of amends to. So you actually set up a time to sit with the person to, and it's more for them than for you. Um, but it's also kind of for yourself where you're, you essentially are like, look, uh, I, um, this, this is what I feel I did. This is how I could have been better. I'm different now. Is there anything else I can do to, to mend this relationship? Uh, if you never want to see me again, that's totally cool. So doing these acts, I think a little bit slowly and more over time, I sort of had the same, a similar, I think to what you're saying, like, um, letting go of the baggage and it's not that it disappears it's not that you the stuff doesn't come up again sometimes but like it's something about like doing doing it in that way adds this sort of finality to it that it's like okay no now now i've put this out there i really have to like be different now does it does it i hope it makes sense what, what i'm saying yeah, it does yeah. so why why are you doing all of this while you're struggling with all of this you're touring as well you're composing you're writing music so this idea that we've created that even Saji is talking about the sad artist or this romanticization uh-huh. of sorrow because you listen to Arijit Singh and you're like, Haan, is, is ka sahi cut hai. Main, as I will say that I don't write lyrics. So gum is all in the in the in the melodies. So uh when I was getting sober, I actually so I left music for um probably close to two years. Uh, I didn't go to any concerts, uh I didn't really play. Uh, that much. Um, I actually, that's not true. I, I, I did start a, I did play music with some guys that I met uh, in recovery. It was a kind of like a more of a, a fun kind of a band. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know if I necessarily would fall into the personally, like the, the sad artist category, but I definitely like made music with a lot of sad artists. <laughs> so I, I get it. <laughs> You probably used your teenage angst if, if you were huh. making punk music. But though I, and I hope to always use my teenage angst, man. I hope that never goes anywhere. Recently, <laughs> because if you let it go, then you just fucking, I don't know, become boring. So. Oh, Lincoln Park. Well, I saw Lincoln Park yet in high school. Oh man. I was like, I'm re-listening to all of them and I don't care what anybody says. Fucking corn, incubus, all slipknot, sorry, it's 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 great stuff. System of a down, all these bands, man. Because yeah, they're dealing with real shit. Incubus has fallen off uh, into the cracks a little. It's not much recognition they get as a phenomenal band. Yeah, my high school cover band. My high school band was a cover band. So we were only Weezer, Incubus and Tool. Those are, we just played their music. You know, we had a few originals, but none of them were as good as our as our covers. You know. I would assume yeah. you guys played a lot of Green Day. Green Day? No, we didn't play any Green Day, actually. I play myself. Even... I'm I'm about to turn forty, but I still I rock out to fucking Green Day in my in my, in my house. I don't care. So. Yeah, split on Green Day. Yeah, Green Day is amazing. I don't care what anybody like. I, I, well, I have not followed them beyond Unki um, uh, American Idiot album. So I think up until that point, but uh, they're just undeniably the guy. He still uses the same Fender Strat, man. Like how punk is that? 
that's his, still one of his main guitars is that blue fernandez stratocaster so i think american idiot he must love because you do punk huh. fans and they're like oh they've sold out they, yeah. they're not they, I, it's a, it's, I'll be, I'll be, i just listened to that record coming home and i'm a fan since kerplunk you know what i mean like way back so i i, I think that artists have to evolve and and sometimes they make stuff which because i mean you can't just put out the same thing over and over again and yeah and i there's actually this great new podcast called band splain on spotify uh where they do kind of what we're doing they they, they talk and then they they actually play full songs by artists too and they just kind of go through a career and and yeah i mean of course like if an artist's you know gets you know they do their first album and it sounds one way and then yeah surprise they like get a bunch of great equipment and they want to like record stuff in a different way you know i don't know i'm pretty pretty pro uh pretty i'm pro pro the evolving of uh of artists so i'm not and coming from somebody who used to be very no i only listen to i i only listen to janoon Jimi hendrix and uh, pink floyd you know that's that's kind of how i grew up so i mean it's great, great music to grow up on. Or what should I Maybe yeah, that's yeah. where Roger Waters is also coming from. Because maybe uh-huh. uh, Sid Barrett ki wajah se, uh-huh. he's like, no drugs, no karne, bhai. Ah, shayad. He's been far away in these things. Yeah, that's what an amazing story, you know, the whole Shine on You Crazy Diamond story. Yeah, and what a song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's come to your podcast. Sure. Just, you know, up. Shah Jahan, Mughal, Mughal. I'm not sure if American. Aptly, aptly named by my parents. Yeah, they had the audacity. <laughs> but I, I, I contend my dad has a bigger ego than you because my name is Shahzad. He named ah. you Shah Jahan. Hopefully, that चलो ये जाके king of the world बनेगा. Ah. My name is Shahzad, which is like prince. <laughs> he is still stroking his own ego while naming me. Because like ये तो prince है, king तो मैं ही हूँ ना. the show is called King of the World uh, you can get it on all the podcast platforms it's a really um, I can't believe it's actually done uh, I spent we spent this whole year uh, our company Refelion media it's it's an it's a seven part narrative series like about my life uh, in the over the last 20 years in the context of um, coming of age post 9-11 so it sort of sequentially uh goes over the last 20 years side by side with kind of what was happening in my life and I my parents are on there my sisters my friends uh along with different you know uh historical experts um you know we have a therapist uh some actors and comedians um and I I think it's a very I don't want to say like unique, but it is a, from what I've been told uh, and the response that we've gotten to it is it's a very different way to sort of tell the story of being a Desi American kid, a Muslim American kid, a Pakistani American kid in during over the last 20 years. Um, and it's really been a privilege. I, so I've never done anything like this. I, I'm not really, I'd never written anything really. So um, it was really uh, quite a undertaking and i'm really just kind of proud i i couldn't be prouder of how it turned out if we just do one decent episode that people listen to we will have done our job but i, I really think and it, it's very heavily stylized and the sound you know we, we have great sound designers and stuff that worked on it to really like to to really take advantage of the audio storytelling medium um so i guess that's what the show is about <laughs> It's mainly, uh, yeah. I think a lot more of these stories need to be told because the idea of the Muslim American is still quite insular, if not singular, uh-huh. in the US. You you don't get multiple perspectives on it. To see a story like yours represented, it might just open a lot of eyes to, oh, this punk is also a Muslim, this is a Muslim, Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think that the landscape of of this kind of stuff i think in the us at least has definitely been changing over the last 5 to 10 years it's interesting to and i we talk about all i talk about all this in the show sort of 
with Caminas to, you know, kind of being in that first post 9-11 wave of, you know, being in the media, being in the public eye and kind of what that was like. And like you and I were talking about before, like being covered in the media, you know, um, whereas where things are now. Um, but yeah, it's, and yeah, and, and I just, again, I, I wasn't, I really wasn't expecting, like, I think we made it with a particular community in mind, you know, what, in terms of who our listeners might be. Um, and, but I realized pretty much from, we released the first episode on September 1st, the final one, like, uh, at the end of October from the get go. Um, it was actually Fatma that, uh, she listened, listened to it and she just, she was like, I could relate to so much. And I hadn't, it's not that I didn't think it would relate to, uh, the, I guess, English speaking audience, uh, in Pakistan. Uh, unfortunately we don't have an Urdu version of it yet, but, um, I didn't realize that there were different elements because I'm tackling all those things, right? I'm not just talking about politics. I'm also talking about identity and mental health and addiction. Uh, but also like, yeah, just insecurity and belonging and all these, in all these different elements. And also I just, the fact that my, I think my people's favorite characters are like my mom <laughs> and my sisters um, that are sort of recurring. Uh, my family uh, is are recurring uh, voices in the in the series. Um, so, it, yeah, it's just it's just a really amazing kind of. I'd always wanted to do some. You know, I think we all have a des- many of us. I shouldn't say we all have a desire to kind of leave some kind of legacy, whatever it might be. I always wanted to tell my story. I never, I didn't necessarily always feel confident that I could or that anybody would, not that anybody would care, but that it was like, why would it be, especially with the 9-11 thing, I knew it was going to be like the 20th anniversary. So we're just going to be bombarded with all this stuff anyway. Like, what is it that's going to be so, you know, more interesting or whatever about this, but I'm really, really proud of how it turned out. So what you're saying is I want to hear, I want to feel like I'm close to something real. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere I wanted all along. Somewhere I belong. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere I belong. Yes, we were bombarded with 9-11 and Moe's made this great, uh, he's produced a great documentary, Turning Point on Netflix. Uh, yes, phenomenal. yes. But we Muslim perspective despite all the documents coming uh, out Achha. of the surveillance of all the cases. I don't think we've seen enough stories about it. I don't think there's a single fictional uh, piece of drama yep. that's been made on it. I, I yeah, it this, so there is about. one show. So like the show Rami uh, dealt with it. I haven't it. seen Rami, but I've heard it's very good. Yeah, it's really, really good. I think um, there is an episode, uh, you know, because he was, I think he's 10 years younger than me. So just kind of, so they're, they're coming out slowly is my point. So I think that we're, it's, it's, it's clear that, you know, these, we need to tell these kinds of stories and we need to be the ones that tell them instead of having them told for us because, you know, in control, not control. Yeah. Shaping the narrative. I think that sounds better than controlling the narrative, but, uh, yeah. Or at least like, हमारी हमी बता दें. मतलब exactly. had a great conversation on, Hasan Minhaj, I just saw his new show live. He was here in Boston. Phenomenal. King King's Jester. King's Jester. King Mujhe Yaad Hona Chahiye. I know. It was great. And he, you know, he had, he told a kind of, I don't want to give his act away or anything, but he, I saw him the first time when he came a few years back. But this, this show really, really blew me away. Huh, so now, I mean, Grizz is doing a phenomenal job as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you can't do it. Absolutely. So, thanks, Shaja. You have to do it. Yeah, thank you, Shaza. Nay, actually, my other meeting got canceled. So, I'm full. I'm full. I'm full. I'm full. I'm full. I'm full. Say that again. Did, did, did Shah Jahan make Taj Mahal? Uh, yeah, he did. Absolutely. So, uh, well, technically, his laborers made yeah, it. Yeah, he hired. Right? He didn't actually do it. But so. even the story is quite fucked up. So the idea is that eternal love was Mumtaz ke liye Taj Mahal. Bana hai. Do you know how many children he had with Mumtaz? Actually, I don't. 14. 
फोर्टीन इन फोर्टीन ईयर्स इट्स लाइक वो हर जंग के बाद आता था एंड बी लाइक मुमताज कहां पर है मतलब इट्स नॉट लाइक हिडन मोर वाइव्स चौदह और चौदह में से सात डाइड सो इट्स इट्स नॉट जस्ट ताजमहल इट्स ऑल्सो जो जो हुआ है मुमताज गैस हाउ मुमताज डाइड I actually don't know this is during what? childbirth of course <laughs> what else? oh my god jo shahjahan uske sath kar raha tha bichari it iske baad taj mahal to banana zaruri tha itna zulm karne ke baad and that's oh that sold to yeah. us as eternal love <laughs> is it one before we go is that story true of there was supposed to be a matching one on the other side that was supposed to be black ha huh. it's sorry. like the dc verse पाकिस्तान uh and so it was right before before the lockdown <laughs> so when so. when you came initially in the 2000s and you uh, had a chance to meet certain elites of the country weren't you like <laughs> ye ye log itne chutke kyun hain yaar nahi i've been met the mujhe to i've been coming since i was born so it's the the two side by side that that stuff that's just i've i've been very used to coming to pakistan but i will say that it wasn't until i lived there on my own that i felt like i really understood more of pakistan and that i realized that i had built i was able to build even though it was a rough time for me personally i was able to like build a relationship with the country that was outside of family stuff so now when i come i have i have like other shit to do i have like other people to see and i still i'm very i'm pretty close with a lot of people that are in music uh, in pakistan and and you know so i feel very lucky uh to to have that you know i know where i know where to get good uh, good bhaturas and parathas and stuff and i thought so yeah i was yeah. like maybe other things but then i realized can you <laughs> well i'm sure i could probably still find those but yeah i'm not trying to Not now. इससे पहले के पुलिस मुझे आके अरेस्ट मैंने तो सारी बातें खुल के कर दी हैं. But thanks, Raja. It's a lovely. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to your audience. I hope this was worth your time. Thanks, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Raja, for coming. Everybody, go check out King of the World on Spotify and everywhere you get podcasts. ये चीज़ ना ये ये निकाल के next ad में Yes. 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 Sample कर लेंगे in the next in the next song I put out. So yeah.